Hello, I'm Gwenna Lathland, and this is the Mama Cusses Podcast, the podcast dedicated to all the cussable moments in parenting. Disclaimer, the Mama Cusses Podcast may have curse words, profanity, or adult topics. Okay, it will definitely have those things. If you have sensitive littles listening with you, now might be the time to pop on those headphones or go hide in the bathroom with your grown-up juice. Today's episode is brought to you by Pink and Pearl, a mom-owned small business out of my home state of Oklahoma. Pink and Pearl makes the most delicious and beautiful wax melts and aromatic aids I've ever seen. These are handmade and veritable works of art. Seriously, I can't decide whether to melt them or display them. Ultimately, they get melted because the scent combinations Pink and Pearl have created are unbelievable and they actually scent the room. Go check out her brilliant line at shoppinkandpearl.com. Enter promo code MAMACUSSES for 15% off your order of $5 or more. That's shoppinkandpearl.com, promo code MAMACUSSES. All right, let's get this shit going. So today I have with me one of my favorite human beings on this planet that I am not related or married to. Uh, I have Kelly Burrill with me. She has been working with me for quite some time now on the Mama Cusses Moms group. She's one of my moderators. She is a fantastic communicator. She is an excellent like judge of how to say good things. So I feel like she's going to be an excellent person to chat with about our topic today. But first, Kelly, how are you? I am doing fantastic. Kelly, uh, tell us uh, about your household, your crotch fruit. Uh, so I live uh, in a wild and crazy house, you, despite uh, it being a tiny family. I have a husband who is a skateboarder turned woodworker that makes my ma- my house just a nightmare, but I love it because he's very creative and I am not. Um, I have a dog who is an absolute psychopath, but the cutest couch potato for a 90-pound uh, dog that you could possibly imagine. And I have an almost nine-month-old child named Sophie Jane. She's adorable. She's sassy. And if shameless plug, if you go and uh, join our group on Mama Cusses, you'll be able to see all of her medical anomalies that we work with every day. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, the, the medical anomalies yes, are getting healthy, better, <laughs> you know, for, for those unfamiliar with the mom's yes. group. We're, we're on the upswing for Sophie's medical mysteries. Um, so today we're going to be talking about mm-hmm. what for me has always kind of been a difficult thing to broach. So if you are a part of the mom, mama cusses, you know, network of various things, whether you see me on TikTok or Instagram, or you're already a part of the Mama Cusses Moms group, you know that I have precisely Mm -hmm. negative 10 tolerance for mom shaming of any variety. Like I'm just, I'm not okay with it. It's not a, a, a thing that should be condoned, allowed, or glossed over. I 
I cannot stand it. Um, and I try very hard not to mom shame. And I enforce, at least in the Mama Cusses group, that mom shaming will not be tolerated. <laughs> That's a pleasant way of putting policy. it. Yes. <laughs> I will gleefully boot your ass. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So Kelly being a, a moderator, we've had many, many chats and well, I say many, I, it makes it sound like there is just a shit ton of terrible people. Actually, our mama cusses. It's, mom it's actually really, really it, it's we've amazing. You know, we just all mesh like, together mm, so well. And okay. sometimes days will go by and I'm like, oh my God, I haven't heard from Gwen or Sierra. All is like calm right now. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I, it, it polices itself 90% of the time easily. Everyone is very, very respectful, even though there are what I know to be very differing opinions on lifestyle and belief systems and how to raise your kid. Everyone's been so very calm about it. We haven't really had a lot of instances where we've had to address mom shaming, but we do not get to live in the pleasant bubble that has become the Mama Cusses Moms group. And most of us have to exist outside that sphere wherein we encounter opinions or ideas that aren't just, mm, I don't think I agree with it. We're not talking formula versus breastfeeding or, you know, co-sleep or cry it out. Those are all things that there are valid arguments on either side. Occasionally we run into, just as human beings, we run into times when a mom is speaking about either a potentially dangerous, damaging, or, or disconnected idea. And our instinct is to educate and our instinct is to reach out and be like, okay, yes, so definitely. I don't know who yeah, I think it's kind of just a natural instinct that we have to protect. And when we see somebody that kind of goes against the grain with that, even if they might not be aware that they're doing something wrong, yeah. we kind of have a tendency. Our first reaction is to jump in and try to save the day. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Right. But then being so anti mom shaming, there, there is honestly, and it's frustrating, there's a razor thin line between communicating what is probably necessary information and stepping into mom shaming. So today, what I kind of wanted to discuss was how do you broach a difficult topic with a fellow mom without getting preachy about it, without shaming them either for just not knowing or for having been given information that may be out of date. I know I have fought <laughs> endlessly the, well, with my the, mom. Yeah, who that's me, the best argument though that they use all the time. I mean, my mom is notorious for like, well, you I did this did. with you and you survived. Well I know that. I I'm here to tell the tale, but <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but that, but that doesn't mean that we need to continue doing a risky behavior. But how do you have a conversation with a mom, especially on kind of the hot button issues like vaccinations, like car seat safety, like, you know, nutrition, and I'm not talking fed is best. I'm talking like general, how do you have a conversation about nutritional needs of children when someone seems to be in this whole other realm of existence. Yeah, you know, I, I think that logical or sa- safe scientific Everybody studies. is entitled to their opinion. Safety and security, it's not an opinion. And I think that that's something 
I know that as moms, we kind of have this innate um, fear of constantly being judged. And I think that that's just kind of the societal pressures that we have on us, you know, to perform and to be perfect and to succeed, especially with social media now. I mean, you see these picture perfect Instagram moms that could do no wrong. So um, I think that we kind of as a whole tend to jump to the conclusion that we're being judged. So I think it, the hardest part is to open up a safe dialogue where we're not immediately jumping to the, this is what you should be doing. Here's 17 articles and then AAP article. You know what I mean? I think it's, it's kind of wagering playing right. to their sensibilities and almost kind of playing the game with them and befriending them. If that makes any sense, you know what I mean? Just kind of, Well, it does. I I have found in my journeys across, because I've been at it for 13 years now, and I started, you know, just as the internet, it wasn't new, but it wasn't like it is now. Um, And and so, you know, my my earliest internet parenting advice experience was all on message board territory. Facebook wasn't nearly what it was. And what I learned, what I've learned in that time is the minute you arm someone with the ability to educate you, that opens the dialogue. So it starts with a completely open-ended, oh, so you don't believe that yeah. car seats are a, a thing that are necessary. Tell mm-hmm. me more about Definitely, that. Definitely, because I think that if you were to, to approach them reasoning. with... Well, the shoulder straps aren't placed correctly. That immediately puts up a wall to that person. So they weren't listening to you from the start, but now you've given them a reason to not listen to you further. You've put them further on the defensive. By opening up the dialogue and playing to their sensibilities, you know, they're able to relax and Mm feel validated and heard regardless if you agree with them or not. And therefore you're able to then start to slip in those pieces of information that may or may not change their mind. Well, and I think that's, I think that's an excellent point is the minute I, as a mom with an instinct to, to, educate or to help or to Mm -hmm. protect the minute I go into a discussion thinking I'm going to change this person's mind. That's when I've already Mm -hmm. kind of lost. If it's a competition I've lost because it's not my job to change their mind. I can't change anyone's no, mind. No, it does. I can change and, my and own mind, I, and that's I've it. Found that I the can most, never change That was the hardest lesson mind. for me to does learn, even sense? as a teacher, because I had I worked very closely with my families, and I may or may not agree with something that goes on in the home that needs to be addressed in school that might be affecting a child's behavior, or they might have a concern and are asking my opinion on something. And I had to go into work every day understanding that all I can do is be receptive and put the information out there in the nicest way possible and they either take it or they don't. I can't force somebody to see the world that I the way I see it. Right. Right. But there there does mm-hmm. there there does come this compulsion to to communicate those things. Maybe you don't know working in, in the realm that I work with, with moms, I get moms of 
all variety. I've got moms who just had a baby, you know, while we were still in quarantine, they had their first child. And I've got moms who have grandkids and great grandkids. They're still moms, but you know, we, we've got the whole scope of people and, you know, across my various platforms, I get everybody. I've even got people who don't even have kids, uh, but they're in education settings or they are in therapy settings, or they, they work with tiny humans of some variety in another capacity, especially, and this is not picking on any first time mom, not at all. I was a first time mom 13 years ago. And then to be perfectly honest, I was a first time mom two years ago. Didn't matter that I had an 11 year old. I had no fucking clue how everything had changed in 11 years when my twins were born two years ago. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, there were some basics that I could expect, Mm -hmm. but then so much was different. It still felt very first time mommy that second time around. And Working with first-time moms, there's a lot of information that moms are just expected to know. And to date, in you they know, should. several millennia of human they history, these fuckers soon, don't come As with soon as you discharge manuals. from the hospital, there should just be a manual so, handed to you. Let me tell you. They, <laughs> no, but, but you're completely correct. I mean, as I'm right. a first-time mom, and How not to fuck the your kid information um, that I was just expected to know – like the best way – I always tell yeah. people who are having children – the craziest part about having a child when you when you're giving birth to them is when the discharge nurse hands you the papers and says goodbye. You know, and that's and that's it. There's no further communication. They might call you for a follow-up, but at that right. point, you know, you've gone from protecting this child to having this tiny human now that you have to keep alive every day. So, you know, it's I mean, I'm even guilty of not knowing things that I probably right. should have known and yeah. <laughs> but no, that's the difference. You but you know why I say known. that? Because no people made you feel as if I should have known. You know, up. they put that pressure on me that, wait, you didn't know that? Well, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. I've never been a parent before. To my dog, not the same thing. Like, I... <laughs> right. Right. Well, and so... That's where I feel like a lot of this information for me has come into play uh, of how to communicate with people without mom shaming, without making someone feel like they should have known this or that they are somehow failing because they didn't know this. It, it, again, it begins with a question. So tell me about this idea that you've got. Where'd you learn that? And, and to be able to ask those questions without an ounce of accusation, which means you legitimately have to ask them. You can't oh, just definitely. phrase them because everyone can see through a leading question. Everyone can see through it the minute you ask a leading. So uh, who told exactly. you Exactly. Yeah. You're almost That's a very different tone of you know, voice. Then they're aren't completely you in the wrong instead of wanting to see things from their point of view. And, and I think that that's primarily the issue that you face when you're not even just as in motherhood, but just in life, you know, I think that posing the question, so tell me more about this. Yeah. Allow the dialogue to happen because if you enter the conversation 
believing mm-hmm. that you're right, even if you might, you know, scientifically with evidence based be right, it's not going to get anywhere. And you see this a lot with the pro vax anti vax right, right. argument. <laughs> um, I mean, I've also, even with the the boom of social media, you'll mm-hmm. see a mom post her opinion on something. Not really our board. Our board is pretty, I mean, tame and we have really healthy debates. But I mean, I've been on other mom boards and even just my personal Facebook page and somebody posts something and immediately it's six different people with just an, a link to an article. No dialogue, no discussion, nothing. Yeah. So it, there, there's, yeah. and that's not even a, an argument to be had. It's, it's just a moot point mm-hmm. at that point because everybody's going to believe that they're right. Right, right. All right. So we're going to take a very short break to hear from one of our sponsors, and we will be back to talk more about how to have a discussion without mom shaming here in just a bit. All right, we're back. We're talking with Kelly Burrill. She is one of the moderators on the Mama Cusses Facebook group. And we're talking about how to have a discussion without wandering into mom shaming territory. Before the break, we talked about you have to come into the conversation willing to have a dialogue, not just a one-sided lecture. And now I kind of want to take a sidebar because everyone loves to hear the horror stories. Kelly, has there been a time where someone has approached you with like the wrong way to educate? When, when was a time that someone just slammed into you with, Oh, you're wrong. And here's all the reasons why you dumb fuck. So let me tell you about my daughter's former pediatrician. So (laughs) I walked in thinking that this place was amazing. I had great first impressions. I had my daughter. She had her first appointment. And this was before a little side note. My daughter has uh, feeding difficulties, um, which we have now figured out is related to various issues, including a tongue tie. Um, So I had brought up the feeding difficulties I was attempting to breastfeed at the time. I was telling the pediatrician that I was thinking of switching her to formula. This was when she was uh, two days old. I didn't make the jump myself to do it yet. I just wanted to talk to the pediatrician, open up a dialogue, if you will. Um, The, I, I kid you not, the pediatrician looked me in the eyes and told me that I wasn't trying long enough. I wasn't trying hard enough and I wasn't giving her what she needed by stopping. How did you not punch this human in the face right then? Well, uh, so my husband was there and I was holding the baby. So I was like, okay, cannot drop baby to attack pediatrician. Bad look. DCF call. Not a good idea. Um, (laughs) And at that point, I was also struggling. I already knew right off the bat, the minute that I gave birth, that I was having postpartum anxiety. So I wasn't in the right headspace to even debate that with her. Unfortunately, what I would do now is rip her a new asshole. But what I did was just say, okay, okay. She shamed me into thinking that my choice as a parent was wrong, even though I was doing it for the betterment of my child and her health. So if she were to open up the dialogue a totally different way, oh, so what are you struggling with? How are you feeling? You know, not just asking about the child, ask about the mom. I know you're a pediatrician, but I'm the one caring for the child. Mm -hmm. Um, And it completely shut me out. Thankfully, after the next appointment where she shamed me again for actually switching her, I told them to go fuck themselves and went to a different pediatrician. (laughs) Very good. Very good choice. 
very good choice. Yeah. <laughs> I, that that is mind blowing. Yeah. When people who are legitimate experts end up oh so on, on the other side, just so you know, if your pediatrician has spoken to you like this, uh, it might be a very valid time to potentially seek other pediatricians. Yes. Mine was incredibly supportive at our two day. Um, and we had a one, a two and a three day because I have twins and yep. my son, who is now a giant toddler, he was born at just at six pounds and oh. was down to nearly five pounds by the time we left the hospital. Yes. So he was he, having, oh, go ahead. Uh, well, he was, he was just having a little trouble taking in the amount of nutrition his body mm -hmm. needed. Yeah. So every baby loses a little bit of weight when they, from their birth weight to the time they leave the hospital. Um, but they were throwing around words like failure to thrive. And I was, uh, pumping at the time I was unable to feed at the breast for very personal reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, not the least of which my son was apparently starving himself and figured the best way to punish everybody for this was to try to gum my nipple off. Um, Oh, so, but I was pumping at the time and my pediatrician was very, very supportive. And the first thing he said was, I am leaving this to your hands. Your milk is probably everything he needs, but we're at two days. He still dropped a little bit of weight. If you want to consider, I can hook you up with a lactation consultant to make sure we're getting the best of everything that your body can do. Or we can look at supplementing with formula. It's completely in your hands. What do you want to do for your son? And that's just, that made me feel so amazing. And he's like, there are options. Like he's not getting what he needs, but we can fix this together with right. your input because it's your kid. Yeah. And, and what a way to feel empowered. I mean, you have just given birth. There is that yeah. rush of emotion and hormone. I mean, you had, you had a gap between having children. So you're experiencing mm -hmm. all of these feelings all over again. It's yeah. difficult for you. You have twins now, so you have two tiny humans to take care right. of. So <laughs> giving you that, not giving you that choice, but reminding you that you have right. that choice is everything. And Sophie was in the same situation. Obviously she wasn't a twin, but she was born at six pounds, 13 ounces. And at her two days, she had dropped a pound almost. Mm -hmm. So we kept doing weight checks from that time to the time that I switched. And she wasn't gaining weight when I was breastfeeding for mm -hmm. that. You know, she just wasn't taking it for various reasons. So if, if I were to have give, been given that empowerment, I don't even know, you know, how much better I would have felt, you know, but that's, that's information. So we have very similar situations, mm. um, presented very differently. So when you as the listener are, per, are potentially, potentially presented with an opportunity to maybe communicate some useful information to maybe someone who doesn't have access or doesn't know, or just no one's managed to mention this to them in the onslaught of shit we're supposed to figure out when we have fucking kids. Yeah. <laughs> the two ways are you're doing it wrong and it's clearly on you or you know what? You've got lots of options. There, there are different ways that you can handle this. Here's one way that worked for me. Mm -hmm. Here's one way that worked for some other people. And I can give you some resources if you're interested in those. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think that 
also, you know, when it comes to having difficult conversations that need to be had when it comes to, you know, giving advice in a healthy way, um, you also have to make sure that the person realizes that the conversation's pertinent and their feelings are valid too. Yeah. So if they're coming from a place where they're upset, asking for an opinion, for example, they're going into that conversation expecting an answer, wanting a specific answer. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if somebody goes and says, well, I'm upset about X, Y, and Z, I always, I mean, you probably take a drink every time I say this on the mom board, your feelings are valid. And I'm not saying that to discredit anyone. I want them to know that how they're feeling right now in that moment is valid. Mm -hmm. Now let's work on a solution together. Tell me what your thoughts are. I'll tell you what my thoughts are. Here's some information. What can we do? You know what I mean? Well, and I think, I think that's probably Aside from asking the questions, aside from approaching it as, you know, there's information to be had, but it's still your choice. Ultimately, I cannot make a choice for you unless I know that by law you are physically endangering your child, in which case the only thing I've got left to do is involve human beings who may have power to help this. And I'm talking like before this is going to happen, I'm going to have to watch something terrible happen wherein you do not respond in a way that is healthy or, you know, legal. Um, right, right. Yeah. And it's all, I mean, I'm, I was a mandated reporter for years. So that, that was mm-hmm. kind of the, the issue that I had where I may not agree with what you were doing, but at some point it might be out of my hands and I might have to defer to somebody who will have to make you do that. You know what I mean? Right. It's, it's right. just, it, it, that's not the kind of conversations that we're talking about here. Once yeah. you get into your legitimately considering calling, you know, child protective services or department of human services, whatever is mm-hmm. called in your area, that's, that's a whole other podcast episode. That is a that frightening is- podcast episode. I don't ever want to have. Yeah, no, we will. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> not, that's not a conversation we want to have. We want to keep this fun. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but, but I think it's really important when you are attempting to communicate information that could really, really help, that could really make better a mom's experience or a child's safety or a, or a, a childhood, kind of depending on, on what information you're, you, you feel the need to present. You have to remember that you're talking to a flawed, emotional human being. And I think So many people, including moms, forget that moms are flawed, emotional human beings because the mom title sort of trumps all of those other conditions inherent to being alive. Right, exactly. You, it's it's almost like you can't be a mom and have difficulties. You can't be a mom and struggle. You can't be a mom and have flaws because we're taught that moms are the end-all be-all parents, I should say, really. Parents are the end-all be-all. Parents can do no wrong. Parents, you know, make all the choices, make all the right choices, do as I say, not as I do. And I think that that is just something that we've been conditioned to believe for years. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so approaching a potentially difficult or or has the potential to become confrontational discussion, remembering that this may strike defensiveness. This, that, that may be the natural response to being told. I'm wondering why you've chosen to strap your kid in like that. Like maybe there's a reason, help me understand. The minute they feel like you may 
be questioning something they have done, even if they had no idea what they were doing, defensiveness is going to be the first thing. And that's okay. That doesn't necessarily mean that they don't want to listen or that you don't need to try to calmly communicate that okay, the, the shoulder straps maybe need to be a little lower just for safety. Um, or, you know, that, that buckle needs to be over the breastbone and right now it's over the tummy. Um, yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. I think that, uh, car seat safety is really one of the most, usually I see it the most with forward facing and rear facing debates. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of women will say, well, I am putting my child forward facing because he's uncomfortable. I can right. see why you'd feel that way. I mean, his legs do look scrunched, I, uh, but uh, right. you know, this is what we've seen so far. You right. know, I think I think that agreeing with what they see, validating what they see, and say, "Yeah, you know, I, I could see why you'd think that." Now, I and say, if you have a child, my you know, my child's rear facing because I've noticed X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z. And I mean, it just it allows for. It allows for that person to feel like it's, it's okay. Even if they do eventually listen to what you say and go, Oh, that's a really good point. You want them to come out going, I feel good that I know this now. Like, thank you so much for like not expecting someone to thank you for saying, Hey, by the way, you almost killed your kid. Um, (laughs) Thank you for telling me. (laughs) Right. But you want them to come, come away thankful for, for now knowing this thing. And not attacked for not having known it before. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, the first couple weeks that I had Sophie, car seats were something that I was very neurotic about. And I just felt like I was constantly doing it wrong because I didn't really have a lot of experience strapping a child mm-hmm. in. Um, and my best friend was amazing with car seats. And she actually approached me and said, Hey, I saw that you have a new car seat. Do you want me to show you how it works? I have worked with it before. And she just sat down with me and we went through piece by piece and it wasn't, you know, confrontational. It wasn't a, well, you don't know what you're doing sort of situation. She opened the dialogue as, Hey, I see you have something new. Why don't we work on it together? And I got to pass on that knowledge um, to a couple that's having a baby. They had expressed that they were nervous about car seats. And I had Sophie with me and I said, well, here, let me show you how this works. And just, you know, having those conversations, those difficult conversations without that confrontation, inviting Mm -hmm. them to have that information without making it feel accusatory or almost like you're a know-it-all. Right. Even if you aren't at a place where you can can sit down with a human being and say, all right, this is what I learned about Mm -hmm. this. Being able to calmly present resources. So in my area, every fire department in Oklahoma will do a free car seat installation or inspection. I love that. Yeah. So you can drive up to any fire station at which the firefighters are present and they will gleefully, gleefully come out because I talked to one of them and I said, why do you guys like having just neurotic mothers drive up to you (laughs) and, and ask you to double check these plastic buckles? He said, I would rather spend the rest of my life checking that plastic buckles are secured than pull another sick or injured or worse child out of a wreck that could have been prevented because the car seat wasn't incorrectly. Yeah. 
I will spend the rest of my life teaching people how to use them if it means I never have to see what happens when they're used incorrectly. I love that. I love that. Yeah. So, oh my goodness. Like, and I was pregnant at the time that he said that to me. So I was like, so you cried because that's what I'm about to do. And I'm not even pregnant. (laughs) Oh, the feels. I feel that. But you're right. Right. I mean, presenting, just even presenting resources, like in in my town, we have so many, I'm surprised because I mean, we're in the middle of suburbia where we have more restaurants than people. And (laughs) we have so many resources for parents, especially in a time like this. Um, It's absolutely amazing, you know, and just to see, I mean, we have like a local town forum and just to be able to even say, you know, hey, I, I noticed that you posted about this here's a link to a website that might have some answers for you, you know, just handing them that information and letting them explore it on their own too. I mean, especially with COVID, it's not like people can take a lot of time to sit down one-on-one people anymore. So giving them those resources, making sure that those things are being shared in a safe and appropriate way. Yeah. 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 Well, and again, that harkens back to what we talked about before the break. It's the dialogue. (laughs) Even if you're talking in an online situation. So communication 101, the way to indicate that you are listening to a person is to repeat back every once in a while. So I heard you say X, Y, Z in an online forum. If you want to present a link, even to something like the American Academy of Pediatrics or the World Health Organization or the CDC and their take on whatever it is you're discussing online, the best way to make sure that they at least consider clicking the link that you were sending them is, all right, so I read that you are concerned about your child may be having a tongue tie. I get that. That sounds super scary. I found this thing that you might be interested in if you want to take a look. It's always, I heard what you said. I acknowledge how you feel. And I feel like maybe this is pertinent and you have the option to look at it. Again, it's always equipping and acknowledging their power and their choice and their autonomy. Yes, I think I agree that humans have a need for autonomy and we tend to shut down when we feel that our autonomy is being taken away from us, when we feel that we aren't given choices. And I think that giving choices is the key to relaying really pertinent information, telling them that you have the choice to do this, just like you have the choice to buckle your kid in that way. Right. It's allowing them to feel empowered as a parent while offering resources to make them feel even more secure in their parenting choices. Right. Right. And again, you can't change their mind. Mm -hmm. If they insist on putting that buckle on the kid's belly, then all you can do is pray to whatever gods you choose to believe in. It's never actually necessary to find out if that worked for them. Right. Exactly. And at some point you have to accept that you're not Superman and you can't save the world. And all you can really do is make sure that you're supportive and encouraging to the people around you and taking care of your kiddos at home and, you know, giving them those same resources and values that you would like to give to somebody else. Right. Practice what you preach. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it's, I am very much a a teacher. I'm a a teacher person. I've never 
been a, a classroom teacher, but I've hovered around the edges of education and non-traditional education sources and edutainment um, in my time as a communicator. And yeah, it's, it is sometimes hard for me to step back and go, okay, well, I've given them all the information. I've given them all the resources. And I, if I say any more, it's going to be finger wagging at that point. Yep. And nobody wants that. So I'm going to go. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was definitely the hardest lesson I had to learn as a teacher. It was, it was really difficult to, you know, to compartmentalize. Okay. Well, I've done all I can and now I'm going to go home and, be angry about it for a little bit and then go back yeah. to work and pretend like nothing's wrong. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, I, we will put our heads together after the close of this episode and uh, put some resources together that are going to be on the show notes. Just some things that maybe you want to know topics that we kind of brushed over, but didn't really discuss because it wasn't what the podcast episode was about. So if you've got some questions about car seat safety, we'll have that in there. If you've got questions about vaccines, we'll have that in there. Check out the show notes on mamacusses.com for more information. That's all we've got today. Kelly, thank you so much for joining me on the Mama Cusses podcast. Oh, I had thank, fun. Thank you so much for having me. I had a blast. It was the perfect way to end my day. <laughs> all right. That's all for today. Before we go, I need to let you know that I have now launched the Bad Moms Club, my exclusive access community on Patreon. Are you a bad mom? No, you aren't. But are you a bad ass mom? Of course. Now there's a club just for you. Joining the Bad Moms Club can get you access to the members only podcast episodes, the Mama Cusses blooper reel, and more. Head to mamacusses.com and click on the Bad Moms Club for more info. As always, we need to thank our sponsors for their continued support of the Mama Cusses podcast. If you could take one moment and give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Google, and Spotify, that's what helps this podcast grow. We need to thank the Fox sisters for their use of their song, Stuck on You, as the intro and outro of this podcast. If you have a suggestion for a topic, or you would like to be a guest on the Mama Cusses podcast, please drop me an email at mamacusses at gmail.com. Check out mamacusses.com for the show notes. And that's all we've got today. Stay fierce, bitches. <laughs>